0: Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Before we jump into today's message, let's honor God first with our finances and bring the tithes into the storehouse of the Lord. Let's take a look at one scripture from the book of Zechariah. How about this Zechariah chapter 14 and let's go to verse 16 and it shall come to pass in uh, that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king the Lord of hosts and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Wow. Well of course when we look at this amazing passage we know that We are looking into the future of the millennial or 1,000 year reign of Jesus upon the earth. And while there are three primary feasts that all of the able-bodied males of Israel were required to go up to Jerusalem to keep, the one feast that was always the biggest one was always the Feast of Tabernacles, and in the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Jesus, the primary central feast that will, that will be celebrated will be, again, we see the Feast of Tabernacles. And every year, the rulers of the earth from all the various nations are required to go up to Jerusalem. So they'll have to fly into Israel and go up to Jerusalem to keep this big feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. It's very easy. Uh, well, it's very interesting because the Feast of Tabernacles or sometimes called the Feast of Tents or Booths, which was a reminder that Israel when they traveled and sojourned through the wilderness out in that ferocious desert, they would live in these tent type structures. So although now they are harvesting these wonderful crops and tabernacles would center around the harvesting of the wheat, the grapes and the olive. So it was always a very happy, if not the happiest time of the year because of reaping these uh, delicious uh, you know, fruits and uh, uh, things along this line. But It was also a reminder during their now time of prosperity to look back and not forget their time of wandering in the wilderness and look at what God has now done for them. So, this is one of the three feasts that we are commanded by God to come before Him not empty handed. Now, here's something amazing. As of today, we're only 47 days out from the Feast of Tabernacles. And we celebrate it all around the world on no excuse me. It's October the 1st, 2023. We're only 47 days away. And the feast of tabernacles represents uh, the ingathering gathering of the nations. Uh, we call it the feast of the harvest, the feast of tabernacles representing booths or tents, but oftentimes it's just called the feast of the Ingathering. gathering. And we can see here in Zechariah 14, verse 16, that this is again an ingathering of the nations. And my friends, I want you to sow your best seed on October the 1st as your Feast of Tabernacle seed. Now, your gift is going to go towards the paying off of the remaining balance that is due on the property that it or actually that is owed on the property. We want to get that paid off, praise the Lord and we have got the the payment all the way down uh, from the initial purchase price, we've been paying, paying, paying. It's down to only $60,000. Your special offering will go towards paying off that remaining balance. Praise the Lord. This is your Feast of Tabernacles seed. And I want you to understand that while Tabernacles in so many ways represents the ingathering of the nations, there's deep symbolism to this of the gathering of the souls to Jesus. And that property is where we're going to build a world-class television studio so that all of our internet programs and all of our television programs are done under one roof and we send those messages out on an ongoing basis to the nations of the world. Right now through television, our satellite footprints on the various networks that we are on are reaching over 3 billion Potential viewers and there everybody all over the world's got these little satellite dishes pointed up to the sky <laughs> and we're beaming it down praise God through these various networks, but your special tabernacle offering on October the 1st, and I want you to prepare for it. I want you to give God your very, very best. And I want you to pull together an offering that really honors the Lord. That on that Sunday, that you bring it before the Lord and you present it to the Lord. And whether you're going to mail it in or whether you're going to bring it in online on that day, I want you to bring your very best Uh, Your very best offering, praise God. And I believe we're going to see the debt paid off on the land. And I believe that we are going to build a structure, a facility that will really help us to um, amp up many times over our ability to uh, get the gospel out. And I thank God for your participation in this kingdom project. Amen. So right now, what we're going to do is we're going to bring the tithes into the storehouse, The tithe is 10% of all of our increase. The tithe is uh, 10% of our income. We're going to do that right now. And at the same time, I want you to be thinking, I want you to be preparing to bring your best offering on the day of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is Sunday, October the 1st, 2023. Praise God. Now, for those of you that are mailing in your tithe, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you want to bring it in online right now, go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and there is a header at the top. You can click on it. It says, Give Online. When you click that, there's a little drop-down menu that opens up, and you could select the area for the tithe. Bring that in, praise God, and walk in the commandments of the Lord and enjoy the rewards of obedience. And at the same time, let us be looking 47 days out towards this very special day, the Feast of Tabernacles, the greatest of all three of the feast. And let's do something really special. Husbands and wives get together and say, what can we do to honor God on that day and bring a seed that will cause nations to hear the gospel preached to them? Praise the Lord. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you're not married, go before the Lord. The Holy Spirit will work with your heart and show you what to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be creative. Be creative. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Now, Father, bless your people as the tithes are coming in and as a sacred offering is being prepared. Bless your people. Speak to their hearts uh, what they should do. And we thank you, Father God, that this is going to be a magnificent celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles that Jesus, who will very soon reign over the whole world for 1,000 years, He will be honored before we ever get to that time frame. We're going to already be tying in to the Feast of Tabernacles and what it represents. Father, we thank you for the global harvest of souls and that we can stand on the front lines. And we thank you for this privilege and opportunity in Jesus' name. Bless your people with great increase, great increase. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, praise God. Amen. And my friends, thank you for your obedience to the Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to honor God with your finances. And I look forward to receiving your special offering here in the house of God on that day. If you want to mail it in and get it in a little bit before, that's fine. But I know for many people, you need, you need time to prepare so that you can do something very special. Praise God. Thank you for doing that. Amen. Now, let's jump into today's message. I want to talk about, uh, to me, what is one of the most fascinating subjects in the Bible uh, revolving around the area of honor. And I believe that honor really is a key to your divine lifting. Let's talk about it today. And I want to start in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5. Let's turn over there, and let's pray. Father God, as we are... Jumping into your Holy Word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come now and bring illumination to the Scriptures, so that we can clearly see and apply this revealed knowledge. Now, Father, we thank you for this. We give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father. Help us to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Woo! Praise God. Now, we are in first Timothy chapter five. Now verse 17 says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So those that teach those that minister the word, there has to be preparation because, uh, it, you know, reminds me of years back, uh, Dr. Lester Summerall talked about when he got saved, Uh, And then God called him to preach. And uh, initially when he started preaching, uh, you know, in small country churches, the only thing that he knew was his testimony of how God saved him. And that's all he would tell. But you know, you tell that two or three times and people hear that after a while, they're like, well, we've heard that we need something else. So (laughs) he realized, Hey, I better jump in here and start studying so I can prepare messages. So of course we see that you can't really present Uh, truths that help people without getting into the word and filling your heart with the word. And then out of that overflow, that's where you minister from. So for, uh, we are instructed in scripture that there should be double honor, especially to those who labor in the word and doctrine. Now, verse 18 continues for the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Now the ox uh, the ox in some ways represents the apostolic ministry because you see the ox doing what pulling the heavy loads but in this context the ox would represent those in the fivefold ministry whether it's apostle prophet evangelist pastor or teacher who is ministering the word through the area of teaching look i i'll be honest i love great preaching There are some preachers that can shout it down. There's some preachers that can just, uh, I mean, reverberate with the message that uh, almost, yeah, you think the walls are going to vibrate. And I, I like that. I really do. There's an element of preaching even in me that God has put there. And it does take an anointing to preach. And Jesus talked about that. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? To preach the gospel. So, one of the main facets of the anointing is to uh, empower you to preach. That would be, of course, in the uh, career field of what we would call preachers. But I think many of you would also agree that while we love preaching, there is also something uh, uh, tremendously attractive about good teaching that actually helps you to win in life. And so, while I love preaching, Uh, For me, I actually, I actually track more with the teaching because I, I, I grew up uh, or I was at a certain phase where I, I was exposed to a lot of preaching and you jump and shout, maybe even sweat and you, you have a great time. But uh, if it's not illuminating something that helps you win in life, then uh, you know, it was just a great experience. But the teaching, the teaching gets into your ears and the teaching explains the gospel so that you can apply it in ways that are being actually productive, and you're you're seeing yourself transformed. And much of that has to come through the teaching. Well, of course, it takes time and effort to get in there and to produce those types of uh, messages that are transformative. So we see, you shall not muzzle an ox. So the mo- the, the ox would be the minister. That is pouring the Word of God, the revealed Word of God, into your spirit. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Uh, don't think for a moment that studying and piling all of that in there to dispense it is easy. It's mentally taxing. And while the anointing, uh, in some ways we could say there's like the sweatless anointing. The, the priest in the Old Testament were only allowed to wear certain types of cloth, and they, there are certain types that were forbidden because uh, God didn't want the sweat. But at the same time, wow, of, uh, Yes, there's been times before I've spent hours upon hours, over eight hours just to create and prepare uh, a message that was put out in 50 minutes, took 50 minutes to dispense it, but it took over eight hours just to pull all of that together. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So, the laborer is worthy of his wages because there is work involved. Praise God. Now, let me say uh, this. For, for many that watch me, I am their online pastor. So I speak to you as, as your pastor. Uh, others, they view me as an international pastor from the perspective that maybe they have a home church that they go to, uh, and so but, but they view me as their international pastor because I, I speak from an International platform, but whether I'm your sole pastor uh, in the sense that I'm the one that's ministering primarily to you, and and thus you bring your tithes and your offerings into this storehouse. I know that there are many viewers that maybe you have a home church somewhere else, but you like the teaching, so you drop by. Well, let me say this for those that maybe uh, you have a home church somewhere else, and that's totally fine. You wanna you wanna plant wherever God plants you at and grow there. Uh, remember. That even in today's modern era, the old-fashioned preacher's handshake still never goes out of style. And uh, right now, I'm kind of smiling a little bit, and some of you are wondering, Pastor Stephen, what's the preacher's handshake? And that could be because maybe that could be maybe you've never done it before, and maybe nobody ever taught you before. But when you put an offering uh, into the uh, giving basket, when you bring your tithe into the storehouse of God, that that goes towards the work of the ministry that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that after the meeting you can't meet the pastor or you can't meet the guest speaker in the back as they're on their way out and shake their hand and in your hand, you've got a $20 bill and you're kind of trying to slip them to 20 or maybe a hundred dollar bill or maybe something more, maybe a check that says, Hey, I mean, cause I, I, I've known uh, ministers that have had church members or ministry partners buy them cars before, you know, and say, you know, here, here's this, go get your car, your car out there's looking a little bit wore out. <laughs> go get your nice car. Praise God. That's called the preacher's handshake. Amen. Praise the Lord. What is that? That's giving honor to those who labor in the work of the ministry. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Well, Pastor Stephen, I I, I I couldn't give $20. I couldn't give 100 Can you give them something on the birthday? Amen. Do you know your pastor's birthday? By, by the way, mine's March 22nd. Okay. Uh, Pastor Kelly's is, um, uh, uh, July the 18th, praise the Lord. So these are just good things to know. If there's a man or a woman of God that you really esteem, uh, there are things you can do. find out what their birthday is and honor them on their birthday on special moments. Do that, praise the Lord. You know by my cell phone which is sitting right here, um, this was purchased for me. I didn't buy it. Now I, I pay the monthly bill, but I didn't buy it. It was the top of the line, the best Apple iPhone. And a ministry partner, uh, an online church member that loves my ministry, loves my teaching, uh, matter of fact, she said, she said my two favorite preachers on the earth. She said, Pastor Stephen, it's you and Pastor John Kilpatrick. She said, you're my two favorite preachers on the planet. And I've had some other people say, well, like pa- Pastor Stephen, you and Brother So and So, you're my f- two favorite teachers on the earth. And so, you know, when you're blessed, people people give. So she bought my cell phone. Uh, I have a, I have a very nice MacBook Pro, Apple. And uh, it's got, yes, it's blazing fast, has the M1 chip. She paid for that. She said, Pastor Steven, you need a laptop? I said, well, I do. I do a ton of work on, on the laptop I've got, and a uh, few of the keys are getting a little bit more out. She said, let me get you your laptop. And, uh, you know, would just send over a blessing and then boom, I she asked, how much is it? Then I just purchase it. Praise God. What is that? That is showing honor to those who labor in the word teaching and people are receiving that blessing. And people just say, Hey, let me show some love. Amen. Whether it's a birthday card or it might be something else. Praise God. But it's good to know that. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Let me say this because some of you have never realized this before. Um, I give you permission to show double honor because you've never really known that actually people are doing that. Maybe you just go to church, the baskets passed, you put something in it. Or maybe you watch somebody like me, and I give a tithe and offering uh, opportunity, and you, you, you're you blessed by the message. But maybe you just think, well, that's a great message. But, you know, you can do something. I give you permission to be a blessing. And never forget this. There is the ministry aspect of ministry, but there's also the man of God. So the ministry, such as my ministry is a corporation, I don't go reaching into uh, the ministry's money and start taking whatever I want. No, I have a set salary. And I, anything beyond that, I don't touch it. That's God's work and it's holy, sacred money. So I'm not in there just grabbing what I want. That's, that's illegal. Okay. Not only that, but it's unscriptural. I, I don't do things like that. But you know, uh, there's the there's the man side, unless, you know, it's a woman that God raised up, the woman side, okay? But there's the ministry, and there's the man. You can honor the ministry, but, you know, you can also honor the man. And I say that very simply because some people don't know that. They've never really stopped to think, hey, the pastor as an individual has needs. I think I'll just walk up and give him a $100 bill. Praise the Lord. I mean, him, not not the ministry, him. <laughs> I give you permission to do that, do that. Because some of you, although you see it in scripture, it's almost like you've never met others that do that. Yes, there are those that just do that. Yes, they bless God's work, but they also, rep- they, they recognize also that the, the work is being done through that individual. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Good things to know. Good things to know. Praise God. Now, let's continue on today. I want to go to 1 Samuel. Maybe maybe this is the classic scripture in the Bible on honor. It's quite sobering, uh, but a lot of potential also when you look at it from the positive perspective of what God can do for you. So here's where we get the, the thrust of the knowledge that that when you honor God, there's a lifting that's involved. Now, of course, if you dishonor, we know that's going to be a negative, but I want you to see it from the positive today. We are in first Samuel. We're in chapter two, and I'd like for you to join me in verse now 29. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering to kick would be like to disrespect, you know, kind of like, like kick towards it. Like it's not important to you. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place and honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Now, this is the Lord, of course, speaking to Eli, and Eli, being the chief priest, is, uh, he is appointed. He is God's man. He's in God's office, and you can't enter that office unless you're called to it. And, uh, you know, that's something that God established with Aaron. You have to be called. You have to come down that uh, priestly line. So Eli is put there by God. But the problem is, is that Eli is tolerating sin that he could deal with. He has two sons. Now, if Eli knew this, maybe he would have been a little more proactive. Those two sons are going to die very soon, very tragically. And honestly, Eli is going to die very soon as well. But my friends, Eli just tolerated the sin going on amongst the priest. Why? Because those two priests were his sons. So he tolerated it and put up with it and covered for them and didn't do anything about it. And in doing that, those two young men were bringing great reproach to the uh, tabernacle. They were bringing great reproach to the worship of God. And it, make, it would make people disrespect the, the system of worship that God had established. And it left a real bad taste in the mouths of people. And uh, you had the two sons, you know, um, uh, you know people are bringing offerings. Uh, Some of the offerings, they're going to be burnt. uh, But these are animal offerings like a a cow or a lamb. And then some are going to be cooked. And they would take always the best pieces instead of taking what comes up by just putting the fork in and taking your piece out by whatever's floating around you, stab the fork, pull it out, and eat it, which is how you were commanded. They'd always take the best ones. And they would even sometimes take it forcibly. So they were doing some really bad things. Plus, all of the immorality that they were involved in as well. And Eli didn't do anything about it. So that was addressed to him by the Lord. So the Lord had said to him, you honor your sons more than me. Wow. So these are things we have to be alert concerning verse 30. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But, Now the Lord says, far be it from me. So we need to know that promises can be altered. They can be altered based upon the entrance of disobedience. Praise God. But we're going to get it right, and we're going to honor the Lord. But the Lord did say to Eli, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. Now, that's what we're going to focus on. If you honor God, you give God your best, you honor God, God promises. He gives you his word and oath. He's going to honor you. And what I have found over the years is that when God honors, there is a lifting up that comes with that. And he'll sometimes even do it in front of those who would love to see you go down, and he will honor you, promote you, and lift you up sometimes right in front of them. Not that we say, oh, that's good. That way I can spite them. No, uh, it's actually very humbling. But God can sometimes even do it right even in the midst of your enemies, in the midst of those that would actually love, even sometimes Christians who would love to see you fail, God can lift you up right in front of them. Let me say this. While most ministers have a heart of gold and most ministers do walk in the things of God and they they rejoice in the things of God, at the same time, there there can be some ministers they are very jealous, they can be very envious, they can be very aggressive where they are they are pushing with their agenda so strong that if anybody and I'm talking about any other minister gets in their way, they're going to steamroll them. They're going to push them down. And it's like a fight. It's like a competition and what it is, it's the flesh (laughs) and it's real, real nasty. It's real bad. Again, most ministers aren't like that. Most ministers are humble are willing to um, not compete. They're not after the spotlight, but they are in their place. And if God lifts them up, they accept that they embrace that position but there, are, there are others. They, they'll, um, they want that limelight. They want that uh, publicity or notoriety. They want it so bad. It's almost like they'll do anything to get it, and uh, that's, uh, that's bad. Praise the Lord. But my friends, those who honor God, God will honor. God will honor. Thank you, Jesus. And even amongst ministers, I, I've had some ministers. One time, a, a, a group of them that for whatever reason they didn't like me. And I think some of that had to do with my beliefs or my theology that maybe you could say, yeah, there's a big chunk of me that's Word of Faith. Now, for those of you that don't know what that means, that's okay. It, basically, in the body of Christ, there's many different streams. And I cross pollinate in all kinds of streams, so I, I tried to walk in the truth. But I do also understand that a big part of me is Word of Faith where you, you know, you know, in other words, word of faith is tied to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. And sometimes some people don't like that and they really persecute that and that's okay. And I had one time a group that just, I think they didn't like me very much because I just had too much of word of faith in me and that kind of agitated them. Now I had a lot, I have a lot of prophetic in me and they have, but that, that was all their stream was prophetic and that was all they wanted. That was their stream and they didn't want to camp anywhere else. And so um, because of that, they kind of of didn't like me. (laughs) They kind of wanted to see uh, things of my ministry flop or things that I would do in ministry not come out well. But every time God would just bless me, and there were sometimes He did it right in front of them. And the ultimate was when one of their own prophets that they most esteemed, a prophetess, a great woman of God that they all esteemed as a true prophetess of God, in front of all of them one time, prophesied over me. And you know what the prophecy actually said? She said, this woman began to prophesy in front of all of them. They could all hear it. She began to say, Oh, Stephen, man of God. Oh, Stephen, while others would look at your works and would try to take credit for what you have done and would try to stand on your shoulders for the work that you have done. And that's actually what all of them did. They actually tried to take something that I did and tried to all stand on my shoulders and act like they were the ones that did the work (laughs) when it was me and my wife and our ministry team that did the whole thing. And they tried to take all the credit. Wow. And so she prophesied by the spirit of God, cause she had no knowledge of any of this. She came in from the outside. They all loved her and respected her. And she prophesied in front of everybody. And she said, Oh, Stephen, they tried to stand on your shoulders and take credit for what you have done, but God sees it. And God says, I'm lifting you up. And she began to do this prophecy. Are you ready for this? It went on for over 20 minutes. It went on for over 20 minutes. And, I could I could see them out of the corner of my eye as she kept prophesying, prophesying they would just drop their heads uh, like frustrated, like defeated, like a look of defeat and walk away one by one, one by one as their most esteemed prophet prophesied success and honor and uplifting over my life. And I wasn't like, yeah, I told you. I, I was just like, I was so humbled. I was just like, Lord, because I could tell what it was. It was embarrassing them, but the Lord's like, I'm going to lift you up for what you've done. I'm go- you have honored me and I'm going to honor you. And he did it. And sometimes he will actually do it in front of your enemies. Not that I desire that, not that that's something that we're even looking for, but I'm telling you, God is very serious about this. If you will honor him, he will honor you. Watch out. Mm-mm. he might even do it right in front of your worst skeptic or the greatest scoffers and God will loop it back around and do it right in front of them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now watch this. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now to uh, let's say it like this. There's a lot of Christians, they would never say to Jesus, I despise you, because they know that's wrong. And there's a lot of believers, they would never say to God, God, I despise you, that they would know, hey, that watch out, that's, that's totally off. But you can do it through your actions, through the system or the kingdom protocol that God has established by kicking at it, by disrespecting it. In this case, how Eli's sons were disrespecting the offerings, which were supposed to be sacred, and in God's eyes they are, and they're just treating it like, hey, this whole thing is a big game. All they were into was, how can this better us? How can we get money out of this? How can we profit out of this? How can we work the people over to extract more from them? And yeah, they were dead just a few days after this. Mm Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. So God says that those who despise him shall be lightly esteemed. That means that God in in the Hebrew, it means he treats them as insignificant. Wow. It means he can even treat them as those that he disgraces. Woo. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm sure glad he doesn't view some Christians like that. Oh, you look, look, going to heaven is very easy. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. You turn from your sins. You call upon the name of the Lord. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can go to heaven wearing spiritual diapers the whole way. Mm -mm. But if you want, you can go to heaven the right way. Let the Holy Spirit work with you. Let the word of God be engrafted into you so that you are molded into the mature image of God's son. Jesus, the man that we all aspire to be who praise God, praise God, hallelujah. And when you start moving in that direction, you want your whole life to honor the Lord. That's what we're talking about today. And if you do it, he will lift you up. There's a lifting that comes with honor that God gives. But if you dishonor the Lord, And the things of God, such as the ministry or the work of God or expanding the kingdom of of God, and you don't really have an interest in the things of God, but you want to go to heaven. Okay, you can go to heaven, but there are, there are areas of lifting you cannot attain without understanding honor. And sometimes we call it kingdom protocol, which is, this is the right way to do it. This is the way you do it. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. We uh, are not under the Old Testament dispensation where we, you know, in the Old Testament, if you wanted divine guidance, you had to go to the prophet. If you were the king, you went to the priest or the prophet. Now, if you were a king, you could go to the priest, the high priest, because he would have the ephod on and, you uh, the Urim and the Thummim, God would speak through those and give the answer. But if you didn't have access to maybe the high priest, you could uh, go to a prophet and find a prophet. And that prophet could inquire of the Lord for you. Why? Because under the Old Testament, you were not born again. That didn't happen until after the Lord's resurrection. But now as a New Testament believer, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit leads you and he guides you. So this is what I I want to say. While the Holy Spirit does lead and guide, if a if a pastor, if a if a well-seasoned minister ever said to me, Hey, I don't think that's a good idea. You might want to recheck that. I would put the brakes on. I would put the brakes on. Now here is a rule of thumb that is true for most sheep in the church. And this is, this is the rule of thumb from pastors that have done it for over 50 years. And, you know, you acquire their advice and things like that. Here's how the rule of thumb usually works. Concerning church members, here it is. Are you ready? They are going to do what they want to do. <laughs> And I've seen that truth uh, played out so long, so many times over and over, even if they come to get spiritual advice, pastor Stephen, we know that you hear from God. What are your thoughts on this? But here's the reality. They've already made up their mind. They've already packed all the boxes. They've already made their decision. They are going to go through the protocol, but the protocol is just like a play. It doesn't even mean anything. Why? They're going to do what they're they're going to do. (laughs) They don't care what the man of God says. And you know what? That's okay with me. It's it's your own individual life, but if you honor a true prophet, You honor a man or woman of God, and they're picking up on something. They're not trying to control you. We're not trying to play like we're in the Old Testament. I'm the prophet of God. This is what God said you're supposed to do. Okay, we're not under that. We know that. We can all hear from God. But my goodness, if really, if a a true man or woman of God suggested something or said something, hey, I think that you should consider this, and you give no heed to that, that actually is an element of dishonor. Now, we're not talking about going up to a great preacher or any preacher. Anybody called and like, you know, telling them off or giving them a hard time. We know that's wrong. That's dishonor. (laughs) That's not going to end well for a person that does those types of things. But uh, I would say any time a seasoned minister would suggest something, hey, I think you might want to rethink that, you probably should put the brakes on. I had an invitation years back. This was maybe like, uh, uh, over 20 years, right around 20 years ago, I was going to go to a certain country and, uh, and you know, I knew the crowds were going to be ginormous in this meeting, but before I went, I hadn't purchased any tickets. I hadn't even really told the, the person that invited me that I would go. I said, I'll pray about it. But I, I, was already thinking I'm going to go. This is going to be a great, a great meeting. And I had an old prophet say to me, Hey, uh, he said, are you planning on taking an international trip somewhere soon? I said, well, I've been invited to go to this place. I'm going to, I plan on going. He goes, well, he, goes, he, goes he goes, please, he goes, please rethink that. He goes, I'm getting a, an alert of danger, great danger. If you take that trip, I didn't say, oh, God's with me, brother. I've got angels. God will protect me. I recognize, I knew he had a valid prophetic ministry. I, I had seen some great Healing miracles. There was a man that had a heart defect that was going to die. He was on the verge of death. That prophet laid hands on that man. And that man, God gave that man a brand new heart. He went back to the doctor and the doctor was shocked and said, you have a brand new heart. (laughs) I knew this man, this prophet was the real thing. Had a valid healing ministry. And I knew that he could hear from God. When he said that, I just, I just dropped the whole thing. The whole thing of possibly going on that trip. I dropped The whole thing. And I do believe he was right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So these are areas where we want to walk in protocol. We want to walk in honor to God. Yes. Yes, but also in honor uh, to way that God does things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to wade just for a moment into a hot potato area. And let me say something about church splits if if you are ever in a church and you disagree with the pastor maybe he's going off on his theology maybe he's having a midlife crisis <laughs> maybe he's going through something he's got hung up on a topic that is uh, you know maybe it's maybe it's completely wrong and you don't agree with it uh, don't split the church just leave ask for a blessing ask for a release and leave peacefully. Wow. I have never seen anybody who has split a church and then take half of the members or some of the members go off and start a church somewhere else by having taken those people from that man's church. I've never ever seen it in well for anybody who's ever done that. And, uh, my pastor who was, you know, he's getting on up there in his years. Um, he had his church split and, uh, this one man who was a, an associate pastor, hijacked a whole bunch of people and was going to take them and start his own church. So my pastor found out about it, about the mutiny. Now remember always in ministry, always, if you walk close with the Lord, he will allow you to identify with him through his death, burial and resurrection. Don't be surprised if you have an Absalom experience, don't be surprised if a Judas pops up that sometimes or God will allow it as ways of identifying with the agony that Jesus went through himself. Now you don't want that to happen. You're going to try to prevent it, but it's amazing how sneaky sometimes people can be that smile, but have very bad ulterior motives such as uh, undermining your church, undermining your ministry or something like that. Well, my pastor found out what this associate was doing And when he found out about it, he met with some other men in his church that were very wise, that were elders and said, we need to stop this before it spreads. He said, I'm going to take this man, this associate pastor, and I'm going to release him with a blessing so that he can go and do what he is planning to do, which is not good, but I'm going to get him out so that he can go and do this thing. But we, we don't have a meltdown. I can release him peacefully. And so from the pulpit, My pastor released that man to go out and do his own work. And yep, that man pulled a whole bunch of people with him. And would you believe that one of the people that he pulled with him later took half of his church and went and started his own church and split that guy's church? And that guy never recovered. (laughs) I've never, I've never seen it work well for anybody, for anybody that did that. And you know, I've had experiences as well. I I had a, a situation one time when I was pastoring uh, a church that my senior elder—I didn't know it—he was taking my church members and had invited them to his own private Bible study and was trying to get them to join a work that he was establishing. He was going to start his own church, but he couldn't start it on his own because he had no calling. So what did he do? He comes to my place and, uh, you know, he was, he was a good guy in this sense, but He got lifted up in this area of pride and tried to take all of my people over to this new work that he started. And I found out about it. And uh, I said, well, I said, I love you. I said, but first of all, you can't, you can't be my elder anymore when you're undermining the work that God has called me to do. I said, if God's called you to start something, that's totally fine. But you don't start it by being a sheep thief, by taking somebody else's and he kind of, you know, pandered and meandered around with his answers and uh, left. And everything that he tried to build completely collapsed. Completely, completely collapsed. And I could say more. But look, if you so dishonor, uh, and there can be times where maybe something happens where a a man of God has done something that upsets you it's wrong. You think I'm leaving. We're all going to take as many. We're all going to leave. No, leave peacefully, get a blessing, but don't, don't ever dishonor a man or woman of God. Remember, Eli was way off base. Was he tolerating all kinds of junk? He sure was. And at the same time, he was still God's anointed. He was still God's anointed man. And if you touch that anointing, It's not going to go good. So you have to learn these things. These are spiritual principles we are talking about. But if you despise the Lord, you dishonor the Lord, uh, he sees that. And uh, there will be a very uninterested way that God has in viewing that person's, you know, uh, everybody wants to succeed. But God's not really interested if you're not interested in giving him the honor that is due to him. Let me share with you a good key to tapping into this thing of honor. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5, God speaks to his preeminent prophet of the day, Jeremiah, and says, If you have run with the footmen, and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Well, of course, of course, the floodplain, that's where you've got all the, you know, the bushes that grow up by the water and that's where all the lions, all the dangers, all of the uh, attacks by the media, all of the um, negative comments that would show up on threads of on the internet and stuff like that. That's where all of that's laying to attack you at. But regardless, Jeremiah, God had invested so much into this man had made his forehead like Flint, in a sense, to deal with all of the adversarial situations. But God says, look, you're telling me that you're having a hard time. And Jeremiah, because of this, you're pulling back, and you're not giving me your best. And I need to get you up to this place where you can run with horses, much less, you know, not struggle with these footmen, but you can go to a faster pace to do that, You're really going to have to lean into this calling. You're going to have to lean into your assignment, embrace it, and give me your very, very best. If you will give God your best, it shows God that you're honoring him above all. Do you know, there have been times where I've stood in this pulpit and I have preached messages sometimes uh, like an hour or an hour and 20 minutes in length. And then I, and it's not often But there have been times I close my Bible, the cameras are turned off, I leave, I go home, and something is stirring in my spirit. I could have done better. You know, there are times like that I come back and I re-preach the whole thing all over again. (laughs) Why? It didn't go the way I wanted it to. It didn't quite have that flow. I didn't. I I wasn't, maybe I was distracted, but for whatever reason, I, I was not in the place where I felt I gave God my best. I come back, put all my clothes back on, recomb my hair, turn all the lights on, work with the editing team and tell them, delete the other video. I'm going to do the whole thing all over again. Why? I want to feel in my heart that I gave God my best. And when you do that, are you ready? He'll give you his best. And there are some things that are God's best. Money can't touch it. You can't get it with money. There are areas of access. There are areas of intimate relationship. Those are things only God can grant with him and with others. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So give the Lord your best. I learned this very well. One time when I was ministering in Kalimpong, India, now, I've been all over India, have been privileged to minister there. And you know, I've been to New Delhi. I've been t- down south to uh, uh, Chennai, Madras, they call it, the old name. And I've been also far up north to Kalimpong, where in many ways you are in the shadow of the mountain range of the Himalayans. I think it's about 30 miles to the, uh, where that mountain range begins. It's cold all the time. And you're almost on the border of Tibet and because tibet is kind of like uh, now overseen much of it by china by of course by force, tibet didn't want that china says well, we we'll take you too <laughs> and keep an eye over you you belong to us actually uh, anyhow so there's you know there's uh warplanes flying often in that area but it's a very very beautiful place very cold and we were ministering at altitude and it was a conference and so we, me, and the other speakers, we are bringing our best into these meetings, but there was not yet a breakthrough. I would preach my best, you know, go in, prayed up, well, I even left before coming, prayed up. But now we're all there, and we're giving it our very, very best. But out of this great lineup of speakers, nobody had broken through yet, in the sense where God's power came in. But one day, kind of seeing this situation and knowing that God wanted more. One day, I, I just really just gave the Lord the whole day in preparation. Let me tell you what happened the night before. The night before, I had spoken and had really just poured out everything in me, and uh, there was resistance. So while it was a good good session, it's not like it was a breakthrough or anything. After that, after that meeting that night, they took me back and took all the other speakers, and they take us to an uh, area where the speakers are fed. And they had heard Uh, through the grapevine, uh, they have heard that I like pizza. And I do. I I really like pizza. And in that remote location, in a place of the world where pizza is not even really celebrated or even really known, they brought me a pizza. They had searched and searched. They had found the pizza, and they brought it to me as if it were, and in their eyes it was, the most amazing delicacy probably within a hundred mile radius, they had found me a pizza, cooked it and brought it to me. And I knew it meant the world to them and I was going to eat it. And so they all watched me hundreds of eyes watching me while I took the pizza and I ate it and I bit into it and I ate the whole thing. And I smiled at them. Pastor Steven, how was it? Is it good? Oh, praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, and I'm doing like that and it tasted. It tasted like I was eating cardboard. It tasted like the cardboard, when I bit into it, was turning into dust. And I'm smiling. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, is it good? Oh, praise God. Thank you for your efforts. Oh, praise the Lord. And it tasted so bad. It tasted so bad. But, you know, I could sense the great love of the people. So I thanked them for it. And I ate it. And I got it down. And I smiled all the way through it. Now, the next day I, I was in prayer and I just said, "Lord, we haven't broken through, we haven't broken through, and you can't really get people free that are bound unless you, unless the Holy Spirit comes in real power. The next day, I spent the whole day with the Lord and just prayed and gave God my utmost attention and after having done that all day long it was and it's starting to get close to where it's time for me to go minister again, where my session is coming up I, I felt in my heart, God gave me the message. It's like whoop, the download came up and the Lord was saying, I'm going to break the yoke. I'm going to break the yoke off of them. And he gave me Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 to speak. And when I stood up out of that place, I knew I had the message. And I looked up because I had gone outside to pray underneath the tree. And when I looked up, I saw something hanging in the tree. I said, that can't be what I think it is. I said, but I think it is. It was weird. It was hanging kind of high in the tree. And I went inside to the hotel, and I asked the front desk man, who was also the manager, I said, hey, is that out in the tree, is that what I think it is? I said, that looks like an ox yoke. He said, yes, oxen yoke. I said, what's it doing up in the tree? Oh, we keep it up in the tree. I said, um, I said, can I have somebody take it down, and I take it to the meeting tonight? He looked at me like, why, why would you want to do that? I said, I'll bring it back. He said, okay, you can do it. So I had a friend of mine, an associate who traveled with me. He went up in the tree, got this big ox yoke down, and we took it to the meeting that night. And that night I began to teach from Isaiah 10, verse 27. And within about maybe, I can't remember exactly. I'm trying to go, this was years back but I think it was about only maybe five or seven minutes into the meeting when I was talking about how the anointing breaks the yoke and he holds up. I I said, brother, I said, hold up that oxen yoke. I said, God's going to break this tonight. God's power is going to fall. And within about five or seven minutes into my message, you know, and I've hardly said anything. I've got a long ways to go as far as content to distribute, but God's power fell. The Holy Spirit fell on every single person in that place. Some people began to weep. Others began to scream. Others began to rejoice. It was like like a Holy Spirit divine pandemonium that was all being controlled by the Holy Spirit you might think, well, Pastor Stephen, why so many different reactions? This person's getting touched. This person's having a visitation. So they're in like joy. This person is getting delivered from demon possession. So they're screaming as the demons are coming out. And there's all kinds of things going on because God's power fell all at once on everybody and everybody's in different places. So this started in the early Uh, the early evening and did not let up until about three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) I mean, it was like 10 o'clock. I went back to my hotel and when I laid on the bed in my hotel, because we were not too far from where the conference area was at, I could still hear people screaming that were being delivered as demons were coming out of them. Wow. Wow. Now, just before I went to sleep, Back at my hotel, they wanted to give me something to eat. Are you ready for this? Now listen, I'm going to close with this. They said, Pastor Stephen, we, we have something for you to eat. Now this is after this epic breakthrough meeting. Okay. I go back with them to the little area where they're going to feed the speakers and the place was packed with all of those that wanted to come see because they had found me another pizza, and they had brought me the pizza. They had baked it, first of all. And they had brought it to me. And they presented the pizza to me. And they all, then there was more people than ever before. They were all watching me. Pastor Stephen, here's the pizza. And they presented the pizza to me. And I took a bite. I picked it up, took a bite. And when I put it into my mouth, as God, as my witness, that pizza tasted like it came from heaven. There's no way on this planet you can make food that tastes that good. It went beyond the sensation of human flavor. It went into the area of supernatural and Pastor Stephen, is it good? Do you like it? And I, I was liking it so much. I, this time I didn't want to answer. I didn't even, I just like, I wanted to eat it. And <laughs> They could all tell he liked it. Now here's the thing. After it was all over, I said, Oh, Oh, that was so good. I want to thank all of you, especially the person that got the pizza. Nobody knew who got the pizza. And as further inquiry was made, all that was understood is that somehow the pizza had just shown up. Nobody knew where it came from. Nobody knew who baked it. Nobody nobody knew nothing. It just came hot, smoking fresh, somehow right out of an oven. But there were no ovens. There was no Ability to do what had been done there. Praise the Lord. No explanation. Nobody knew. I believe an angel brought it in. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I think the previous pizza had been baked, but they had done that through some kind of a whooping something up. I don't know how they did it because there was not like a, you know, like a full scale kitchen there. But this pizza, uh, no human parallel, no earthly parallel to it. Praise God. Well, I went back to the hotel and went to sleep. But before I got, I went to sleep. God said, you gave me your best. And I've released my best to you also. Now, of course, sometimes when you eat, not sometimes, I believe it's always. When you eat food like that, that God has touched and blessed, there is a release of revelation knowledge of the word of God. There is a release of understanding the ways of God. That opens you up into a deeper dimension of the expression of Christ. Woo, glory to Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. But look, you have to give God, you have to empty yourself and give the Lord your very, very best. We all like comfort, especially Americans. Americans, we, we enjoy our comfort. But there sometimes God wants you to maybe discomfort yourself a little bit. Maybe you need to pray a little bit longer. Maybe you need to push a little bit longer. Maybe you've been asked to do something for the ministry or for the church, and maybe you need to apply yourself more. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's good enough for gospel. Uh, no, God deserves the best. I'll never forget the story that Prophet Kenneth Copeland told years back. He was getting ready to record an album. And so they hired the musicians, brought everybody together so they could record the gospel album featuring Kenneth Copeland singing on the album. But sometimes uh, if you can't find a Christian employee then you have to, you have to hire whoever is available. So some of the musicians were not saved now today, brother Copeland, everybody he hires is spirit filled. but we've all been through places where maybe you can't get the lineup you want. So you have to take what's available. So, uh, uh, some of the people were not saved that were in the recording studio. Now he sings through the song, all the musicians are playing and they finish the first take and brother Copeland says, well, he goes, I'm not satisfied with that first take. I want us to do another one. He said, we can do better. And the guy playing the, the, uh, the, the guitar said, he said, oh, that's good enough for gospel. And Brother Hagan, excuse me, Brother Copeland, they're both great ministers, but this, is a, this was Brother Copeland. Brother Copeland said, when that man said that, it's like his blood began to boil. Why? God deserves the best. If you want to give second best or half-hearted effort, go do that for your country western album. Go do that for your rock and roll album. But if it's for God, we are going to do as many takes as we need to. Praise the Lord. Give God your best. And what happens? God sees that. What is that? That's you honoring God. That's you honoring God. And God will do what? He'll honor you. I'm telling you, He will honor you. Praise the Lord. When you do your work, do it how? As unto the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm really working for my boss. I'm working for this company. Hold on just a moment. For Christians, we are working as unto the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. What is that? That's honor. That's honor. You are a letter that they read in the world that represents Christ to them. If they never set foot in a church. If they have never heard the gospel preached, they should be able to see it preached, not so much through your words, but through your actions. Praise God. And if your actions are honorable, that's very, very attractive, even if they don't admit it. Mm -mm. All right, lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people. I believe they got some things today that will help them to tie in more into how they can honor you. Thank you, Father. Father, help them to always do their best. That's all you're asking for, is for them to give their very, very best. Now, Father, some, they've been a little rigid in this area, and they're not willing to stretch. But, Father, there's times we have to stretch ourselves. So I pray for your grace to flow right now so that they can touch your heart and walk back, walk away from that project, walk away from that effort and say, I literally emptied myself and I gave my best. Now, father, let them know that experience and let it be their lifestyle. We thank you. Touch them with it. Now in the name of Jesus, shout hallelujah. Woo! Praise God! You've got it, amen. <laughs> Woo! You've got it. And the next time you walk away from something, yeah, and your and your spirit, your spirit, who the Holy Spirit sp- connects with, your spirit is like speaking to your conscience, saying, "Hey, that was not. You could do better. You'll go back and do that." Mm. You know, I was in a meeting one time, ministering in uh, in Canada, uh, and the Holy Spirit failed in the meeting. The Holy Spirit fell so strong, the man playing the, the, the keyboard, sitting on, a, on the keyboard stool, he's playing the keyboard. He fell over backwards. Now, he didn't get hurt or anything like that. He just fell in the spirit. And um, all over the keyboard appeared burnt ashes, which is a symbol that sins have been uh, forgiven. That represents the whole offering that was given in the Old Testament. The whole sacrifice is burned up. What is that a type of? Christ. Who has, through his sacrifice, through his death, has taken care of our sin problem. That man got up off the floor. He asked for a microphone. I said, what did God speak to you? What did God say while you're laying there? He said, God told me, you can do better. And he said, from this day forward, I'm determined to do that. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, if you're watching today's program, you don't know Jesus. Jesus He's after you. He wants you. Praise the Lord. Give your life to him today. Get in on the good life. Surrender your heart to him today. If you used to be a Christian, you've backslidden. Come back to God today. He'll receive you back into the sheepfold. His blood will wash you clean. Let's pray together. Pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. There's nobody else like you. I believe you are God's son and that you were raised from the dead on the third day. Jesus, save me now. Wash my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Step into my life right now and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Help me to honor you with my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Isn't God good? Now, if you are a believer, you can now take holy communion. Let's all take communion together. Praise the Lord. And seal these truths into our spirit. Grab some bread, unleavened bread, preferably. Grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is the body and the blood of of Jesus, our Savior. Now, Father, as we receive the Lord's holy body, His flesh, we thank you for understanding the laws of honor, that it is a law of lifting. Just like an airplane goes up by laws of aerodynamics being complied with, we choose to comply with the law of honor. Thank you, Father. Even... If it's a governmental office, even if we don't agree with the person that might be president, that might be a governor, even if they have a wicked agenda that we don't embrace, we can still honor that office and the man or woman that stands in that office. Even if we disagree with them, we can still show the honor that is due. Thank you, Father. Help us to work the law of honor as we now receive the Lord's flesh in his name. Amen. Let's receive together. What is wisdom? The ability to recognize difference. Difference in many areas, primarily the difference between good and evil. Watch this. But also the difference in people, the difference in that person is an accomplished person. That person stands in a designated special office. What should we do? We should do what Paul said in the book of Romans, give honor to whom honor is due. Well, I'm not going to call that guy a doctor, even if he is one. I'm going to just call him by his first name. Uh, Well, he studied for 12 years to earn that title. Maybe we should honor him with the title that he has earned and Is worthy of receiving honor, especially since he's about to apply some medicine that's going to relieve your pain. Why don't we call him Dr. Joe instead of calling by his first name Joe? Praise the Lord. We don't have to get hung up on titles. That's not the point. The point is give honor to whom honor is due. If that's the mayor, that's not Joe. That's Mayor Joe. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Things to consider. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for its mighty cleansing power. We forgive anyone who has sinned against us. We bless them, we forgive them, and we we move on in peace and joy. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let us honor our parents. Let us honor those to whom honor is due. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood. Praise God. What if Jesus through the vine working set you next to the politician that you most despise because of their uh, horrible ideologies? What if Jesus caused you to sit next to that person on an airplane for three hours? What are you going to do? I know who you are. I know the awful things you're doing. You'll never be able to speak to him heart to heart. That doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but you can say, hey, it's nice to meet you, uh, Governor so-and-so, Senator so-and-so. I appreciate your efforts that you make towards this nation. Now, that person's probably going to think maybe, well, well, I'm glad you, but you must belong to our political party. Well, I don't have those same views and beliefs, but I thank God for you. I thank God for the position you stand in. And because I'm sitting next to you, I'm going to be mindful to pray for you for the next three months. Every day I'm going to do that. So, you know, there is an amazing proverb that, that says, that says a kind word breaks bones. It's incredible. A con- now, we know a soft answer turns away Wrath. We're not dealing with the issue of anger. There's a scripture that says, a kind word breaks bones. Wow. So you could speak to somebody that's maybe very vile, very, uh, very paganistic, maybe, maybe even satanic. But you could speak with a kindness that will not retaliate or engage in a verbal argument, that, but just says, I appreciate you for the efforts where you are trying to do the best you can and thank you for the good things you have done and keep up the good work. I'm praying for you. God bless you. I tell you what, that would really stick with them. Not that you've created an enemy, but that you've tried to cross reach across the bridge and at least honor the position that that person holds. Praise God. Amen. Well, my friends, thank you for watching today. Thank you also for praying and preparing your heart to sow into the special Feast of Tabernacles offering October the 1st. I'm going to be praying for you, and I look forward to seeing you back real soon on the next message. Till then, have a great week. See you soon. Bye-bye.